Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Thank you, Trumpet Ensemble. I'll let Paul share more about that later, but we're glad to have you with us this morning. Good morning and welcome to Bowen Springs Baptist Church for our morning worship. We're glad you're here and we're glad it is warm inside of here because it is cold outside. Um, and we're grateful to have such a beautiful, warm place to worship in. And my prayer is that our hearts would be pointed toward the Father, and we are grateful for His mercy and grace, and we're here today to worship and sing praise and be together this morning. I want to um, just share with you a few announcements that are printed in your bulletin. Um, I want to just let you know that this coming Saturday for our young adult meeting, um, we need to get a, a as accurate a number as possible. So if you were here this morning in that young adult category, median adult category, I also think they're, they're putting those two together. But if you fit that, please let us know that you're coming to eat and we, uh, just so we can make sure we've got the, the right amount of food. And also, if you are in need of child care that evening, we're going to have that. But we just kind of need to know kind of how to prepare for that. So just be sure and let us know. We want to try to um, get those numbers secured up today, tomorrow at the latest. So um, please let us know about that. Uh, also know that next Sunday we are having a, uh, a special luncheon in honor of uh, our financial secretary, Ms. Susan Guffey, who will be retiring at the end of this month. Her days are counting down. Um, it's getting close to the uh, single digits, isn't it? Yeah, she's... <laughs> I'm she's so yeah, I know. She, she looks worried about it, doesn't she? Uh, but that'll be a great time of celebration and an opportunity for us to fellowship together. And so please um, make note of that. Also make note of the uh, things that are going on this week. Um, but also to be looking and listening all, all, always with the way the weather is working out this week. Um, we'll try to get out information to you based on what, what might happen. So please just um, be listening and looking for those kind of uh, announcements to occur this week. Um, I want to draw your attention to these beautiful uh, flowers. There's a statement about that in the, the bulletin, and I pray that you will um, look at these, and um, I know that you'll be much in prayer for, um, for Bill and uh, their family this morning. Let's uh, continue in worship this morning. I'm going to recognize Sandy Qualabom right there. She's going to share with us our mission moment. Good morning. 
the missions and ministries of the North Carolina WMU are made possible by our gifts to the Heck Jones offering. The theme of the 2015 offering is follow. It is based on Mark 8:34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Some of the ministries and missions of the WMU include the prison ministry, North Carolina Baptist Nursing Fellowship, Camp Munda Vista, military ministries, and missionary startup. I thought this one was particularly interesting that the Heck Jones offering supports a monetary offering to all North Carolina natives that enter full-time mission work, and that would include both Southern Baptist and Cooperative Baptist missions, and I thought that was, that was very meaningful to me. Uh, so as you prepare, next Sunday is the in-gathering for the Heck Jones offering. That is the only monetary support that, this, that these ministries get. So, so please keep that in mind as you, as you uh, present your offering next Sunday. Um, and while I'm up here, this is just kind of a side note. Um, we are going to be trying in the next few weeks to begin a evening WMU um, group for uh, folks that work. We have some ladies that meet during the daytime, but we don't have a group that is meeting at night outside of like Wednesday nights. So uh, be looking in the in the communicator uh, and going to be trying to get that started up in the month of March. So hopefully there'll be some ladies that would like to like to participate in that. Thank you. Good morning. We are glad to have the Trumpet Ensemble from Gardner-Webb University uh, here with us. I noticed that everybody in the center section, because of their massive sound, you wanted to sit on that side. Uh, it seems like we have a whole bunch of people on that side, not much on this. <clears throat> Just an observation. Um, we, the, we're very excited at Gardner-Webb about the Trumpet Ensemble. They are heading next month up to Messiah College to participate in the National Trumpet Competition. And there's some solo people and there's some groups. And um, there are those that have seven and less, and they are the smaller ensembles. And then there's a group that has eight or more. And... Ours worked out that we have the eight or more. So we're, com we're probably the smallest university going against people like Auburn, Oklahoma State, University of Kentucky, and Louisville, and Miami. Uh, so they have a, a big uh, um, a challenge, a big hurdle in front of them to do. But they're, they're wonderful. As you just heard them, this is only half the group. So um, we're glad that they are here this morning. Uh, would you join me in worship by taking your bulletin? We're going to sing this uh, first hymn, Worthy is the Lamb. I thought it would be very appropriate to sing this as we approach the Lenten season. So take a bulletin, Worthy is the Lamb. Let's stand, please. <clears throat> Yeah. 
seated. Come on down this morning while they're coming. We do want to celebrate this morning. We had 248 in Sunday school. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Also, uh, if you're a guest with us today, visiting with us, just we want to invite you to tear off the tab on your bulletin, fill that information out, and drop it in the offering plate. We'd love to get an opportunity to know more about you. Um, and also for you to get to know us. So please fill that out and we'll um, contact you. Good morning. How are y'all this morning? You don't know yet? Man, it ain't that early. I mean, it's like lunchtime almost. We got to get awake. Uh, I'm glad to get to be with y'all this morning. I'm also thankful for those who have shared um, in my absence one week and also for... Uh, the Women's Sunday and the Men's Sunday, too, and Scout Sunday, already doing that. I appreciate that. I'm going to share with you something today, though. Um, you know, the more I read the Bible, there are a lot of really good stories in the Bible, right? Yes, you've read some of those good stories. And then there's some stories in the Bible you think, well, that's horrible. How did that happen? What happened? Well, today I'm going to read to you a story um, out of this um, Bible story book that I like to use a lot, uh, especially in daycare chapel. But this story comes out of Joshua 7. Um, and maybe not to read the whole story, just to kind of tell you what's going on. Um, the, the Lord had helped the people of Israel conquer the city of Jericho. You heard of that story? What happened in that story? The walls fell down. You know, God, God helped the people of Israel to um, collapse the walls of Jericho, and they were able to see God's hand at work in that, and they were like, wow, look what we can do with the power of God. Well, once they, once they got into um, the city, they were instructed not to take anything valuable for themselves. Uh, they were told that some of the things that were valuable in the city were meant for idols, false gods. And so they didn't, they need to leave all that alone, that they didn't need to bring that back with them. Um, but there was a certain man that this chapter 7 talks about. His name was Achan. And Achan stole some treasure from the city of Jericho, and he took it and he hid it. He hid it away where him and his family were living in this tent. And one would think, well, that's not, that's not all that bad, right? I mean, he just took a little bit. But what were they told to do? Not to take anything. Um, and unfortunately, because of Achan's disobedience, you know what happened to his family? They died. Yeah, they died. And not only did they die, but a lot of other people died too because of Achan's disobedience. Um, Joshua as a leader was, was pretty humiliated because he continued to move forward with what God was instructing him to do and they were getting beat. They, they got crushed. The Bible tells us that over 3,000 uh, of his soldiers marched into to war as instructed and they were killed. And this was because of, of Achan's disobedience. And so, um, you know, there's a powerful story in this. Um, you know, when somebody tells us not to do something, there's a reason for that. Um, when, when the Bible instructs us not to do something, it's for our safety. But it is also because God doesn't want us to get mixed up in things that aren't good for us. Uh, so it's very important that we follow God's instructions, that we're obedient. Um, you know, there, there is a, 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 I guess, a bright side to this story is, you know, the, the people of Israel do come out of that. Um, and they do continue to do great things. But um, just know that when we disobey, well, this is something that I had to learn too. When we disobey, it doesn't just hurt us. It hurts other people too. So we really need to, to think about that and to know that, you know, we can't hide from God. Y'all like to play hide and go seek? Yeah. What's your favorite hiding spot when you play hide and go seek? Do you have one? Do you have a favorite hiding spot? You don't have a favorite hiding spot? Have you got a favorite hiding spot? Under my bed. Under your bed? <laughs> okay. 
I don't think the girls are here this morning. I was going to tell them, if y'all play hide and go seek, look for Grady under his bed. But, you know, I had a favorite hiding spot when I was a kid. And I thought hiding there, nobody could find me. But the Bible tells us that we can't hide from God. And we also can't hide our sins from God either. God knows. Um, And I think the best thing for us to do is to get those out there and to simply deal with whatever happens from that. Um, But God does love us. And God continued to love the people of Israel too, um, even though they had moments of disobedience just like we do. But we really need to think about what we're doing um, because it doesn't just hurt us. It hurts other people as well. And Achan just saw something that he wanted. And Pastor Jim's going to preach today about covetousness, and that's kind of right in line with that. You know, Achan wanted that, and so he took it, and that wasn't right. So just think about those things and obey God's Word and obey um, your parents and those that instruct you uh, to do things and know that there's a reason uh, for that. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for those that you place in our lives to help guide us. But God, I'm more grateful for your mercy and your grace that helps us when we do mess up. But God, may we be very careful with the choices that we make. And I also pray, Lord, that we would examine our hearts and to know that you know our thoughts and help us, God, to do what's right. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. take your hymnals and turn to number 68. It was mentioned that um, the pastor is going to be uh, preaching on covetousness. The Lord, there's no need to covet. The Lord gives us everything that we need. Uh, We're going to sing this a little bit different than how it's written. At the end of every line, we're going to extend that note a little bit so that we're not rushed into the next one. My shepherd will supply my need. Number 68. Let's stand, please. Yeah. 
us bow together. Father, may we rest in the truth of this great hymn. My shepherd will supply my need. We don't need a lot of stuff to be happy. We don't need fame to be happy. We don't need adoration from others. We don't need material wealth to make us feel important. We're already your child. We don't need really anything but you. Help us to rest in that great truth. Help us to have peace in our soul. Whether we live in a little house or a large house, whether we have much in the bank or little, no matter what our condition, be we well or sick, be we old or young, no matter what our condition. Lord, help us to learn the great truth that we have in you what we need. We have peace. We have a sense of belonging. We have a sense of your love, an awareness of your truth. And that's what we need for life. Give us that sense of of your love for us. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. We have what we need because we have a faithful God. Turn to number 54 as we sing, Great is thy faithfulness. 54, let's stand, please.
Let us pray. Dear God, as we come to this time to gather our tithes and offering, let us give generously and cheerfully. For you have told us that if we do so, you will bless us beyond measure. I also pray that we will use these gifts to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
scripture this morning is from 1 Kings chapter 21 verses 1 through 16. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, it is on page 315. I'll be reading, however, from the NIV, so um, you can try to follow along. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, because I said to Naboth, the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard. Or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city did as Jezebel directed in the letters she had written to them. They proclaimed a fast and sealed Naboth and seated Naboth in a prominent place among the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, that he refused to sell you. He is no longer alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. If you look further back in the Old Testament, you'll find out that the great prophet Samuel had discouraged the people of Israel from wanting a king at all. Before there was a king, the prophets were the authority, and the prophets consulted God. But now the people, so Samuel found out, wanted a king. And it's interesting why they wanted a king. They said, we want to be like everybody else. That's the worst reason to do anything. <laughs> we want to be like everybody else. But that's what they wanted. They wanted a king. And Samuel tried to tell them, you don't want a king. He will take your fields, your vineyards, your olive orchards, the best of them. But they got their way. So began a succession of kings, not many of them very good. And of all the kings of the Old Testament, probably the worst was Ahab that we read about today that Dale read Ahab, and it made him worse. He was bad himself, but his wife was worse than him. His wife Jezebel, her name is synonymous with evil. But the evil course of Ahab reaches its climax in this scripture that Dale 
wrote, read today in the murder of innocent Naboth. How could someone be so wicked? The key is found in verse 25. He had sold himself to the devil. He was going to do what he wanted to do. It didn't matter who it hurt. You see, Ahab's wish for Naboth's vineyard was a mere selfish whim. It suited his convenience. It was a plot of land right next to the palace, probably not even an acre, and it was next to his kitchen, and he could have it. It could be a vegetable garden, an herb garden, and he could go out there and bring it into his kitchen, and it was just what he wanted. So Ahab asked Naboth, probably when he asked him, there was a smile on his face, and his words were smooth as butter. Can I have this little piece of land? I'll give you a good price, probably more than it's worth. But Naboth answered, Lord forbid. Why? The terms were good, weren't unreasonable. Ahab was courteous. But if you read in Numbers 36, 7 and Ezekiel 46, 18, God asked the people not to sell their inheritance. It was a good thing for families to pass on land to their children and grandchildren. So in a sense, Naboth was obeying the law. Naboth loved the land of his fathers, even though it was a small little portion. There was a sentimental attachment here. He was not only commanded by law to not sell his father's land, but there are some things, my friends, just not for sale. There's some things that you will not part with. Some family heirloom. Your grandfather's watch isn't for sale. The old family Bible isn't for sale. No matter what the amount of money. Ahab's used to get in his way. He's used to get in his way. Everything yields to him. When Naboth firmly says, no, I'm not going to sell it. He smiles very sweetly and he goes to the palace and it's so interesting. This scripture is so descriptive. He sulks like a child. He hasn't gotten what he wants. He goes to his palace. He turns his face to the wall on his bed and sulks because he has not, getting what, has not gotten what he wants. He won't eat Friends, this is less than an acre of land. This is a small matter to get into such a state. My goodness, he's the king. He's got thousands and thousands of acres. He has everything, and yet he has nothing. Ahab is a slave to himself. He's a slave to what he wants, what he thinks he deserves. Ahab is the king of Israel. Look at all that he has. Who can measure it? But there's one little corner that isn't his, and he won't be happy till he's got it. Story is told of Alexander the Great, who ruled over half the world, but he could not rest in his palace in Babylon because he could not get ivy to grow in his garden. covetousness. I must get what I want. I won't be happy till I get it. I must have something that someone else has. So Ahab is a little man concerned with little things. Some trifling circumstance. Some fly in the ointment that isn't exactly what he wants it to be. His covetance for the little plot of land that belongs to Naboth will lead to a greater sin, just like David. The lustful look led to a greater sin, adultery, that led to a greater sin, murder. And this desire for the little garden will lend to murder. How? Well, enters Jezebel. Well, if you thought Ahab was bad, Jezebel's worse worse. And she's not one that sulks. She's a woman of action. (laughs) When Naboth is sulking on the bed, won't he? What's wrong with you, my husband? Well, I cannot get the little plot of land that Naboth the Jezreelite has. He won't give it to me. 
And Jezebel smiles and says, I will get you the land. I will get you the little garden. No more be said. No more be sad or anything. Jezebel's sin was the greatest. Ahab broke the tenth commandment. Jezebel broke the sixth, eighth, ninth, and tenth commandment. Thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not murder, and thou shalt not steal. It gets back to Ahab and Jezebel's system of ethics, which were no system at all. <laughs> they were worshipers of Baal. There was no law by the transfer of land. There was no system of morality or restraint whatsoever. The plot is set. Two worthless fellows, Dale's translation says scoundrels, two worthless fellows, two good-for-nothings are acquired to make this plot work. When there's evil to be done, people can always be found. And these two men will stay, say before the court that Naboth cursed God and the king. Now, in that day, there was power in a curse. When you curse someone... It could come to pass. It was serious. It could cause real damage. The same was the feeling of the belief in a blessing. You remember the blessing that Isaac gave and Jacob gave and Esau gave? These were things that people sought after. These were important. Well, just as the blessing was important, so the curse could be very damaging. The court finds Naboth guilty although he's not. And they stone him to death. He dies. He's killed. And according to 2 Kings 9, 26, Naboth's sons were also killed because they were part of the curse and they were heirs to the land. Josephus says that Ahab was glad when this was done and rose up immediately. Suddenly I feel better. <laughs> He rises up from the bed on which he lay to go take possession of the land. Ahab had sold his soul for the price of his neighbor's vineyard, like Gerda's Faust, like Silas Marner in a pile of gold, like Cardinal Woolsey for political power. He had sold his soul. What a bad bargain! Ahab's ravenous desire was covetousness. And there are more disappointments than gratifications for one such as this. Covetousness. Wanting something else, something more, a thing, success, popularity, looks, position. I must have what I have no right to have. I will not be happy till I possess it. I will not be happy till I can have it for my own, whatever it is. We live, my friends, and you know it, in a materialistic nation. What used to be luxuries are now, we think, necessities. We must possess. We must acquire. We must have. Sometimes that's our badge of importance and worth. Sometimes we even desire what we can never have. We desire what belongs to someone else. So we must have these things, these trinkets, to make us feel important, I guess. That new car, that dress, that house, those friends, that job. As if the value of life are caught up in these things. What does the scripture say? Be ye content with what you have. What does the scripture say? I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. Oh, to desire the simple life to realize that people are more important than things. Oh, to covet the things of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And if you want a little corner, God will get it for you. If you have too much, he will take it away from you and give it to someone else that needs it more. Give me little, give me much as it pleases of me, thee, but don't take the Holy Spirit from me. <laughs> Covetousness 
is a dead-end street. And many lives have been ruined by it. My wife and I sometimes watch together American Greed. <laughs> American Greed. How many have seen that program? Raise your hand. Anybody? I see a few hands. I like to watch it because they always get caught, you know. <laughs> it ends well. But I see these people. They've got five million. They want ten. They've got ten cars. They want twenty. They want more and more. And in the end, it destroys them. It destroys them. And that destroys people. It destroys their souls. It destroys their good sense. Like the story of Abraham Lincoln. His two sons were young, maybe three, four, five years old. And they were crying. They were having a fit. And someone asked, Mr. Lincoln, what's wrong with your boys? He said, the thing that's wrong with the whole world, I have three walnuts and each one of them wants two. (laughs) Well, what happened to Ahab? When he learns that Naboth is dead, his sons are dead. He goes immediately to take possession of the land. No waiting, no remorse. He doesn't want to ask how it's done. He doesn't want to know the details. He's got what he wants. But he doesn't get to enjoy his new vineyard because the prophet of God meets him there. Elijah the Tishbite comes. Ahab goes down to take possession of the vineyard. And he has a death warrant. He has a death warrant read to him. He cannot take the vineyard. He cannot enjoy the vineyard. There are successes that turn out to be failures. There are some prizes we should not take. You read about it in the scripture starting in verse 17. Dale stopped in verse 16. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, the dogs shall lick up your blood, even yours. And Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon you and will utterly sweep away you away and will cut off from Ahab every male, both bond and free in Israel. Ahab got his vineyard, but he got more than he bargained for. And our prayer ought to be in this materialistic world where the value of people is seen and how much they have and how much they make and what clothes they wear and what kind of house they live in that we will be kept free from that kind of mindset, that we will see the value in all people, and we will be free from the constant pursuit of those kinds of things to make us feel important because that kind of pursuit is an itch that will never go away and is unfulfilling in the end, that we may find value in following God, may find value in all of God's people no matter what their station in life. That's the way Jesus was when he saw people. He didn't see dollar signs in front of what kind of person they were. He saw them as people, precious, no matter what their station in life. And may that be our view. Let's bow together. Father, we're thankful for your word that speaks to our hearts and minds. We're thankful for your word, Lord, that sometimes convicts us. We can get caught up in this thing of the world we see on television, we see in the media all around us, this constant pursuit for things and for wealth and for prestige and power and all these things that are not of you. They are not of you. And may we learn that we have all we need in you. 
the real essence of life, the importance of the peace of the Spirit in the heart. And that's all we need. And we can be set free from materialism, set free from covetousness, so we can live the peaceful, joyful life, no matter what our station in life. Bless us as we extend our invitation. If there be any here that want to come to this church from another, or any that want to accept you as Lord and Savior, stand ready to receive those folks down front as we have our invitation. These things we ask thy name. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 296, Jesus is Lord of All. 296, let's stand please. you know these folks. <laughs> this is Phil and Will DePerrin who wanted to come into membership of our church by transfer of letter from Race Path Baptist. Do I hear a motion receiving into fellowship? Do I hear a second? Second. All in favor, raise your hand. Lord have mercy. They did that with, did that with enthusiasm. <laughs> We're so glad to have y'all. Uh, I, when I was at Poplar Springs all those years, I always heard this fellow's name and your name too. And I maybe had met you on a few occasions, but I really enjoyed Wednesday night and their work in China and the great work they're doing in music in China and trying to plant seeds of the Christian faith. And really they have more freedom to 
sing Christmas songs and spiritual songs over there more than I realized as I saw the video. So uh, we're thankful for their work, and when they get through over there, they'll be back because they live on Oak Avenue <laughs> right next to us. So we're really glad to have them and uh, so grateful for uh, their desire to be here. And I'm going to lead us in a closing prayer. You'll have the benediction. Your benediction will be, after I pray, you'll have the music. And if you want to come and speak to Phil and Wilda, maybe right in front of here you may lose an eardrum. But if you come this way and come down this aisle or the far aisle, come that way, it may be a little better. And I want to ask Bob Land to come and stand with them. Bob's a friend. Bob was the one that came with the, up with the idea of asking them to, to, to uh, speak to us while they were here, and I think that was a great idea. And so, Paul, uh, Bob, just stand with them. I'm going to lead us in, in a closing prayer, and then the, the music will play, and you come as they play. Let's bow together. Father, we're thankful for this day and this opportunity. We're thankful for this dear couple that has been devoted to your work for many years. We're thankful, Lord, for the work that goes on with them far, far away. We pray your richest blessings upon them as they go back, their blessings as they come back here one day to be with us again. They will be perhaps our eyes, our ears, our voice over there in China. Go with us and guide us. All these things we ask in thy name. the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.